Welcome to the second edition of Truth and Soul Incorporated, the New Zealand Advertising Podcast. Today, whenever your today might be, you get to hear from Regan Grafton, who is currently Chief Creative Officer of Stanley Street. Stanley Street claims to be New Zealand's newest independent agency, although it was until a couple of weeks ago, Caitlin Jenner, uh, or rather Ogilvy, New Zealand. Anyway, I think you'll enjoy listening to Regan, who has produced some wonderful, highly awarded work for three different agencies. Have a listen, and he will reveal the secrets to his success. Uh, today, we have uh, Mr. Regan Grafton, who, who came in at the last minute owing to a sudden withdrawal of somebody interesting. Yeah, that's right. Sorry about that. But, uh, <laughs> completely unprepared. So forgive my monotone. Um, we're quite used to that. Now, uh, Regan is uh, currently, he, he's just changed jobs without moving agency. Hmm. Um, he's currently the CCO, yeah. Chief Creative Officer, also known as Creative Director. Mm-hmm. In the old days mm-hmm. um, of a brand new agency called Stanley Street, uh, previously known as Ogilvy, um, Ogilvy New Zealand, yeah. um, run for many years by Greg Partington. Yes, that's correct. And I, Re- Regan is uh, one of the the quieter men of advertising. I think everybody's got quieter mm. than than the old days, but Regan's one of the particular not as quiet as Gavin. No, that, motive, he doesn't. Yeah, he, he doesn't register at all. No. But um, beneath that quietness, uh, Regan has a wicked sense of humour and and a really unpleasant streak, which which comes out <laughs> on occasion. On occasion, yeah. Um, anyway, Regan, uh, uh, welcome to the the podcast, Thanks, Paul. which is known as Truth and Soul Incorporated, right. which is which is about the the people um, in and around New Zealand advertising. And so, Regan, how did you end up? In your invidious role as, how did I get into advertising? How, yeah. yeah, how did you? What happened? What went? I on? did um, a design degree to start with, and uh, during that, the second year you got you did work experience, and I did that at Design Works, and I realised that I was doing a design degree, and I didn't really like the role of what a graphic designer did. You got fired. I think I got fired within a week. No, I um, yeah. So in um, in my third year, I did work experience at Mojo Advertising, and um, they're no longer around. But that was much more um, similar to what the course was about, which was much more about conceptual thinking. Um, like ninety percent of it was about conceptual thinking, and and probably ten percent of it was about the the doing side of things. And so, who, who was at Mojo then? Um, Ollie. Um, Ollie Maisie. Um, no, um, Oliver Green. Ollie Green. Daryl Parsons, um, Wong Cam. Darren Wong Cam. Darren Wong Cam. The man, the mystery. The man, the mystery, yeah. He was there. Um, even though, yeah, he kind of put me off advertising actually a little bit, but yeah. So Michael Sullivan was yeah, running Yeah, Michael it? Sullivan was running it, yeah. And so, um, yeah, it was like loads of fun um, and uh, it was all about ideas and that was like, okay, that set my path on I need to get into 
into a creative department and um, finished the degree and um, found that I couldn't get into an advertising agency without an advertising creative book, even though I had spent like three or four years doing a course and had a portfolio, I couldn't get a job. Is that, that, that is something for young, young people out there. I'm not sure of the age of our listener, but in case he or she is a young person mm. and you want to get into advertising, it's not enough just to be really smart and to know lots of things and to to believe that you're good at it. You have to actually have a portfolio, which in the old days was a physical portfolio, a book yeah. that you carried around. But nowadays, most people house them house them online. Yeah. So uh, then there was only one advertising course run by the industry called the Access Ad School, and uh, they took. There was a competition to get in. They ran the um, the competition in the in the Herald. Basically, it was open to anybody to answer the creative brief, and the best ideas got in. So it was twenty people picked out of the country. Who, um, who's running that then? Um, it was the industry. So it was the Axis um, Awards industry. Uh, you know, so the, comms well, council. The, what is now the comms council? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I just missed that intake, so I had to wait another whole year. So I worked sort of proactively trying to do an advertising portfolio, and then entered the competition the next year and got in. And uh, I think it came second in that course. Always, and, always and then second. Always second. And then still, I think it was a recession, still couldn't get a job, worked for free for agencies for like another year, and then um, ended up having to take a job in a below-the-line agency uh, called the Creative Partnership. Um, uh, but so something to note, people, that if um, you ever come across a business with the, the word creative in the title, you know <laughs> you know that it isn't. No, yeah, that's exactly right. So this was just like a promotional agency and it was literally a sweatshop because it had no insulation in the room and it was about 35 degrees inside and we had to, it was Tony Cluett actually and myself yeah, sitting in board shorts um, working in 35 degree heat and um, worked there for nine months and then the boss got done for embezzling and... Oh, uh, you can't get away with anything. No, no. Nanny state. Uh, we had some pretty good parties. I wondered why the parties were so good. There was yeah. helicopters and shit. Yeah, it was good. But who was he embezzling money from? Uh, sh- she had embezzled oh, sorry. money. Yeah, in in uh, in Australia. Um, yeah. Oh, oh, what previously? Yeah, yeah. The boss came over yeah. and from Australia and said, "If you don't turn up with a check for X amount of dollars, um, I'm taking it to the police." And she did. Mm. And then I found I was looking for another job. Got a job at Y&R. But fortunately, I had a bit more. I had, I had a bit of experience, and I had a good portfolio, and that made it a lot easier to get a job. I think once you've got a foot in the door, I think that's the hardest thing: getting your foot in the door, getting that first job. If you've got a halfway decent book and you've got some experience, you know, you're kind of away, really. I, I think that, in a way, sums up the way that the, the industry is almost self-selecting. To to get on, I think in the in creative advertising, you need to have a great attitude generally and be a really hard worker and for you so it it took from from going to college to having a job in an advertising agency it took what, about five three years? three or four years yeah, oh, probably, right. yeah probably four years yeah. we did uh, okay college yeah. then um placements then yeah the other college then yeah 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 so it's not easy oh you mean yeah like, yeah it was definitely uh challenging you definitely have to go i really want this yeah and some people find it lucky you know like some people just do it do a course and then and then get straight in the good people yeah Yeah. the good people (laughs) uh and the not so good people like myself yeah yeah have to plead yeah
Yeah, and then, then I was hired as a retail art director at Weiner. And um, who's in charge of Weiner then? Um, Gordon Clark. Creatively Clarky, who yeah. unfortunately passed away. Yeah, no, yeah, passed away. Yeah. So, um, but he was, he was great, and uh, um, I, I wanted to work on the brand briefs, and uh, I just kept on asking for them, even though I was getting, you know, kind of the the, the retail drudgery um yeah. and i started winning awards for the agency off the proactive briefs that i was answering and then i got taken off the retail work and put onto the brand work and then after four years i was made redundant because they lost half the clients yeah and i went freelancing for a few months with my copywriter and then i convinced you to hire me <laughs> uh, your copywriter was dan moss yeah that's right so i seem to remember getting a, a call from clarky from gordon clark mm. who said unfortunately and this this happens in the industry. I think anybody who who might be listening to this going, oh yeah, advertising sounds like fun, will be put off by now. Not only do you have, <laughs> I'm not painting a good picture, am I? No, yeah. Not only do you have, you have to wait socks off for for no money for for all that time. Then when you get in, agencies um, kind of breathe in and out like lungs. When they mm. have business, they expand, and when they lose business, they contract. And mm. and people. Um, Will even good people mm. will lose their jobs? There's well, no not so good people. There's no yeah. In 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 your case, they yeah. just an excuse to get rid of some dead wood. But yeah, <laughs> but you were very tenacious. You kept going. Ah, uh, yeah, because yes, yeah, so I got a, a call from Clarky and said the people and I I actually remember looking at your book. You didn't you have a cat on a Jaguar? I had a sleeping cat. Falling a sleeping off cat falling off the Jaguar. Jaguar. Yeah. It, it, it was <laughs> scammiest thing I'd Scamiously. ever seen. But you know, it showed it showed a good attitude, and foolishly, I, I decided to hire you to work with Bridget. Mm, that's right. Yeah, and I worked with her for about four or five years. Yeah. So this is Bridget Short. Yep. Uh, now Taylor. Yep. Um, who was supposed to be here, but but isn't for various reasons. So how long did you guys work together? Yeah, I think it was about five years. I think, and then she went to Singapore. And then I had the unfortunate experience of working with Hanko, mm. Paul Hankinson. <laughs> yeah, um, he's a great guy. Paul Hankinson, yeah, is it a different one? Yeah, <laughs> uh, Hanko's a good guy officially, and he for an Australian. Yeah, for an Australian. Yeah, I mean he had to. He kept on sort of picking his toes at his desk or scraping his neck DNA onto my keyboard, but oh. apart from that, oh. he was all right. Uh, very funny, very sharp, and he now lives in Dunedin, I think. Yeah, actually, I think Hawke's Bay. Oh, yeah. okay, he was He's Dunedin. Up, he was Dunedin, yeah. Right. To, to be close to Lorigan and Hugh. Yes, and Kim Allison. Yeah, so the, uh, five years at DDB New Zealand with Bridget. How was that? That's was good. Yeah, we did some great stuff together. We did the NZ Girl campaign, which was kind of like a, I suppose, one of the early sort of non-traditional advertising campaigns out of the country so yeah um that so, was, so that those, was cool. those people who might not know of your earlier genius regan could you describe that campaign um it doesn't sound very sophisticated now <laughs> but we basically uh for nz girl which is like a um a website for uh young younger ladies girls, <laughs> girls. Yeah. Uh, uh we ran a sort of like a worst boyfriend competition with the the prize being a banner getting towed over the um, the big day out, which uh, had a, uh, uh, the, the chap who won it had, um, yeah, Scott Kelly has a small dick, I think it said, was getting towed across an audience of about 40, 
thousand people and it made the news and headlines and around went around the world that little viral thing promoting that um yeah there was a second plan that had the website for nz girl don't mess with the nz girls i think was the campaign line so yeah so it was, it was almost back to the future but it was certainly non-traditional using you know how do you advertise a website obviously you tow a banner behind a plane but it was it was making that film the 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 case of the event which then went on to various places yeah that's right so i, I seem to remember we had to when i say we you and bridget had to smuggle a camera in to uh, the, the big, big day, day out. out yeah that's right big yeah. day out kids that was what what when we were kids we used to go to it was big big um all day long concert in auckland doesn't happen anymore does no. it no um, but you weren't allowed to film so no. we had to smuggle a camera in can't remember how we did that but i think bridget I think you wore a very bridget big hat. chatted up the security guard <laughs> <I did. laughs> yeah. yeah so that was uh yeah that was um uh, yeah a really good piece of work and we um and then you know uh we worked on a couple of uh, lotto campaigns when we picked up that piece of business and yeah i definitely had the i was at ddb for about nine years and was a creative director on lotteries for probably maybe five of those and that was yeah great fun making those ads right which were they which is your favorite um lotto ad uh yeah we did the the dog that jumped overboard to save the guy's ticket and wilson wilson yeah you, can't, you put an ad sorry put a dog in an ad yeah that's, that's you're, right you're there yeah. yeah yeah i don't know the way you pick that up i don't know yeah i know <laughs> I remember trying to do that, I think, on an insurance ad, and uh, I went all the way to the top guy, and he, uh, the top guy on the client side, and he said, "No, don't like dogs. No one likes dogs," and he rejected the idea. I'm like, "Are you crazy? Everybody loves dogs." Well, they don't, Regan, but they should. <laughs> they I should. That's the, um, <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah. How, uh, was, how was George, by the way? Uh, George, I, uh, he's, we well, haven't met Monty, have you? No. It's, it's kind of George too. George oh. Junior Junior. Oh, right. So, yeah, I I don't bring them here because there's a dog downstairs that they mm. might might get disruptive and rip apart, and I don't want Monty in here chewing through the cables. That, yeah, that, um, they're dummy cables. They're not, not there for any reason. But there's a we're in a, in a sound studio, folks. So we don't do that. Uh, so after nine years at at DDB, yeah, under the creative directorship, firstly of myself, then Mister Toby Talbot, Talbot yeah. And that was it. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then I um, I went to FCB to be the um, ECD, uh, the joint ECD with Tony Cluett. So yeah. yeah, back working with Tony, he he was at my first job. So who hired you to do that? James Mock. Yeah. So he moved to a regional role. Yeah. And um, they picked up Vodafone in New Zealand. So they were, as Paul mentioned earlier, expanding rapidly because they picked up two large accounts. Yeah. And I was there for four years. And um, yeah, that was really, you know, learnt heaps, um, sort of going into that, into that role, and you know, working with some some big big clients. Um, got out that sort of piggy sue ad for Vodafone, which was quite was quite good as well. Um, so following on from the success of the dog, you, you used a pig, yeah, yeah basically moved up to a pig, yeah, yeah, or down four legged things, yeah. They seem yeah. people seem to like them, yeah. So. Yeah, and it's quite useful because unlike dogs, you can you can like eat the pig afterwards if it. Yeah, but, yeah um, well, um, it seemed a bit wrong on set that they were serving sort of bacon and stuff. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know. I didn't think that was right. <laughs> so... Now, to me, one of the in the in the the, the nearly twenty years I've been in in New Zealand advertising, uh, DDB kind of started 
uh, three quarters big and has just gone on to be huge, yeah. be a steam steamroller. Yeah. Just carried on. Colenso uh, creatively has been con- consistently excellent mm. ever since the days of Michael Sullivan, um, and have and have carried on. Sarches have been in in, I guess, slow decline over that time with a, with a few mm. highs and lows in the middle. But one of the biggest stories for New Zealand advertising, I think, was the rise of FCB. Yeah, which when I came here was. Um, three yeah. people in a in a telephone kiosk, yeah, and, and right. yeah, and became to be to be one of the big three. Yeah, that's right. Thanks to you, oh, and and Tony and um and you know great creative team that we sort of. I told you it was political. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it was uh, it was a good. Well, hang on, you've forgotten the the planners, the suits, the management. The... Well, Brian, Brian Crawford was the CEO, right? But CEO, um, I think they're already known for being a great effective agency. So but they, but they weren't very big. No, but they had they were very sort of um successful and uh, from an effectiveness point of view. So yeah. um and that that was sort of the missing part was the creative the creative side. So um yeah, that's kind of what what sort of I suppose changed in, in sort of the perception of FCB over that time, yeah, was the the creative output. And I remember going to can in about 2013 i think was that uh, uh, and so some of the campaigns was that was that the, the, the dog, dog driving <laughs> dog oh my god i'm a one trick pony <laughs> haven't used ponies actually could use ponies um yeah uh yeah no that's this podcast we... is entitled the importance of animals and advertising <laughs> yeah read between the lines yeah mm. if you want to win awards use animals mm. um yeah so we we did a campaign for mini and the spca so they uh, sponsored the SPCA. They gave about ten grand a year. Mini and the SPCA, not SPCA. What's that? Mini and the SPCA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, they, yeah, they sponsored about ten grand a year to the SPCA, and they wanted to get a bit more of a profile of that sponsorship. So uh, we came up with this concept. Um, and Matt uh, and Vegas was was their idea, and was Pete to, Vegas, yeah, and. and um, Matt Williams. Matt Williams. Yeah, and they, um, yeah, they they came up with the idea of yeah, why don't we teach uh, rescue dogs to do something that no other dog has ever done before to show how intelligent and the potential that they have. Um, let's teach them to drive cars, but you know, really drive cars, not mm. sort of pretend. And so we found a um, a place that fits out cars for you know people that are tetraplegics and par- paralyzed to. See if they could convert a car that a dog could drive with their paws, and um, yeah, it was it was a crazy journey with the um, with the client. You know, they originally said, "Yeah, we'll divert some of the money from um, some dealership ads that we'd normally run, um, and just have a bit of a play and an experiment because we didn't know if it was actually going to work." Hmm. And um, the animal trainer Mark Vetti, he was sort of confident that he could train a dog to do it, although. We found out afterwards that he thought that we were meaning, um, like for an ad, where they don't actually really drive it. Right. Yeah. 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 So, so he took on the job. He t- yeah, he took on the job, and then realised, no, no, this isn't going to be trick. This is the dog has to actually operate the pedals. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that was uh, um, a great journey, and yeah, and it built up a huge amount of sort of media PR along the way. Away, and um, although one of the rehearsals when we were practicing with the dogs. Even though a lot of the mechanics were quite sophisticated, 
there was a more a coffee little, a little foam much. a foam block that was stopping the accelerator pedal from going all the way down and we had like a remote control co- controlled kill switch in case there was um any sort of <laughs> so the dog went berserk well yeah the foam block came out and the dog just floored it and it was <laughs> <laughs> it was it was supposed to only go a maximum of 15 kilometers an hour and uh suddenly the dog shot off down the down the thing going 80 kilometers an hour down down the road we're like, oh, oh. press the kill button and cut the power on the car. But shit, if we hadn't, if we didn't have that remote kill switch, we probably wouldn't would have one less dog. Yeah, that um, that would have been funny. So I, I guess it must be must have been great for Mark Vetti because he must have got. Oh yeah, he, he, yeah, he was like interviewed all around the world. He was like, yeah, uh, uh, in many ways it launched lots of people's careers. That job, yeah, like yeah, he. He got, dog, a, he got a TV. The dog is now Formula One. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, he got a, um, a TV series out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, yeah so he I think he was already had a high profile, but he was definitely like fielding news interviews from every news organization around the world about that. It's funny that in a country the size of New Zealand, you have one job. No, you you have like we have the Squid Man. Mm. Just known as the Squid Man, the one like one of the world's <laughs> leading experts in squid, and we have that like, one guy who trains. So, um, um, in another podcast, talked to Mike Watson, Sky. Right, yeah, we talked about the lions ad, yeah. where we where we were filming the lions in the cage, and again, Mark Vetti was involved with that. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, how, how you go from dogs driving cars to lions watching TV, but he seems yeah, to know seems stuff. Seems to know stuff. Yeah. He also, I think it was him who did an ad for us where we had uh, a duck. Who did that? And for Pizza Hut, where a duck had to sit in a chair and answer questions, and he trained a duck. Mm. Who knew you? Who could, knew you could train yeah. ducks? Sounds like we do a lot of ads with animals. Uh, yes, yes, mm. but, uh, between <laughs> us. Um, so that, um, as you, you probably remember, Regan, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not as award obsessed as some individuals in the mm. industry, no. but driving dogs went on to do hugely well at, at Can, did it not? Yeah, yeah, we uh, had a couple of. We did also did that secret diary of a cool girl that year as well. So that, that was Huel's scam. Oh no, that was for Sky. That's yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Oh, was uh, it Prime? It was for Prime. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think both of those. I think we picked up maybe fourteen lines. I think 13, 14 lines. Yeah. Year. Yeah, and that was pretty crazy. It was about sort of a year and a half into um, being at FCB, and yeah, so they, um, yeah, they, I think they won agency of the year, campaign, campaign brief agency of the year. Yeah. The following year and stuff like that. Yeah. Which, which was, uh, you know, like I say, incredible for an, an agency that had, had you know, a, a reputation as, as a building where they made ads, but to become a a large creative powerhouse and to challenge uh, DDB and Colenso was um, was pretty amazing. Hmm. So where did it all go wrong? I don't know. It's all been going downhill <laughs> since then. Yeah, um, you know, it's a, it was a good a good journey, definitely. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's always that hard, hard thing. It's what I think I admire about Colenso is the uh, they're quite consistent, right? They yeah, yeah, they year after year will have one, if not two, amazing bits of work going out. So yeah, yeah it's um, I think that's kind of a testament to them is that you know they they don't sort of peak and trough. They really are quite a consistent. It's true. Sort of delivery because you look you look at Y&R who I don't know three or four years ago mm. with their their big Mac Burger King yeah thing. McWhopper McWhopper at DNAD one one agency of the year at DNAD now, coming from London DNAD is is 
was way bigger than it. Can was like a you know peripheral little nothing. Mm. DNAD was a big thing for a New Zealand agency to be an agency of the year at DNAD. It's absolutely yeah, that's incredible. crazy, absolutely incredible. And, and I guess that it was around that time, and I I suspect that New Zealand might have fallen off it a bit. That was in those few years that with that New Zealand was in terms of creative awards per capita at least the the and we always like doing world. that don't we using the per capita thing yeah I, well, quite I, good. I, I think it's legitimate it i like i like using it <laughs> yeah, because yeah. i i have well, I think, a, a stronger grasp on statistics than most yeah. creatives I yeah. feel. <laughs> well it makes it even better if you kind of go that pretty much all the industries in the north island so then you could well you yeah, could re- go, yeah yeah well actually they're 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 kind of mainly but they're between on a line between um Parnell and ponsonby yeah and yeah, anything outside yeah. that well but um cleans wellington as well uh yeah that's true that's true we i'll uh, have to get somebody up from yeah, from yeah Clems, you can cycle up here um that would be handy um so uh after the after the dogs and the uh the call girl that was radio right yeah that's radio yeah what else have i done so, uh, yeah yeah what happened what happened after that after uh, when things started going wrong yeah, so I went to Ogilvy, um, and I suppose some of the more interesting work we've been pumping out of there um, has been for police, police recruitment. Yeah. So. Um, so so you went uh, to uh, what year did you go to Ogilvy? Maybe two thousand and sixteen. So about three years ago. Yeah, four years ago. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. and how how did that come about? What what were they looking for? Um, they were looking for a, a new person to run their creative. So they've been looking for about 10 or 12 months for a new person to lead that team. And so, you know, I was sharing a joint role. They, they asked everyone. They asked uh, everybody. And they all said no. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And they, uh, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I was doing a joint role, ECD role um, at FCB. So the appeal of going to having, you know, no one, no, not sharing that role and not having anyone above me yeah. uh, was, was appealing. So, yeah. yeah. So, so how are you? How are you finding that now? That you you get the it's your train set. There's always yeah. You know, you you can you control it to a large extent if you have a uh, an agency leader, CEO, um, managing director who is and you and you're both um, working on the same uh, towards the same end. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. But the buck stops with you, mm. and if things aren't if the work coming out is not great, then it's down to you. There's nobody else to blame. And, no, that's you know, right. The work coming out but, Ogilvy has been rubbish. No, I'm joking. I think the uh, yeah, I think actually the experience at FCB was yeah. invaluable because James was really good at making Tane and I switch from thinking around everything around creativity to actually thinking around um, the client's business. So I think as you kind of step up. In um, in the ranks within the the, yeah. the the creative the creative sort of field, you actually need to realise that you have to become more of a business person and have um and care about the client's business, not so much about just the work, because you can be in more indulgent when you're younger in the in your career and you're trying to build your creative profile. But in reality, if you're doing that as a creative director or an ECD or whatever, you're going to come unstuck because it's much more than that and you've got to be pragmatic and professional and realize when you need to just push a project through you know the client might be completely dictating something and you've got to 
um, maintain that client relationship and be very professional and say, yeah, we can do that, no no problem at all. And, you know, it's a percentage game and probably, you know, the in all agencies, probably only the three or 5% of the jobs are the ones that they get famous for and the rest of the work is just not spectacular professional work and that you've got to know how to manage that through because, yeah, you've got to obviously fight for the ones that you know that are going to be high profile, but the rest, you know, need to be professional about it. Yeah, I, I kind of learned that very young. I wasn't working at Sarches, but um, I had a girlfriend who was, she was in the finance department, so you find out some um, in- interesting things from there. But Sarches in London, which were regarded at, at the time, this is like the mid, early mid-90s, as one of the most creative agencies in, not just in London, London but in the world. But they'd win... Um, a lot of plaudits for their work for, say, British Airways, but most of the money was coming in through things like Currys and Dixons, which are electric retailers, which mm. run a would have a full page newspaper ad in most of the English papers every single day of the year, mm. and that, that's where the money, the money came from. But it's rather sad. It's something that I've worked on with the guys um, uh, at. at Barnes Campbell, BCNF Dency, uh, over the years, and, and when it was Barnes Campbell Friends, that we should all be going in the same direction. And you know, when when we were at uh, DDB, I remember you and Bridget, you were trying to you were trying to make a name for yourselves, and we'll come up with all manner of convoluted mm. <coughs> scams that like. <laughs> Come on, guys! Yeah. <laughs> and and because uh, my my view at DD, we we had some great clients, and uh, you hopefully you remember me saying this yeah. but, that you know, we, you know, we have Sky, who like the best, most one of the best, most creative clients in New Zealand, and Volkswagen, which yeah. which um, we won through the pitch, and th- those clients will give us the opportunity to do wonderful work. We don't really need to to do scams. No, I think that was. Um... The great thing that you used to always say is that, and it was true, like DDB has no, you don't actually need to do proactive work or scam work at at DDB because even the bad briefs that were coming across our desks were considered opportunities at other agencies, you know. Yeah. Yeah, there was just um, a luxury of briefs coming, coming through. You didn't need to kind of have to do the other sort of stuff so but I'd, uh, it's like having a rugby team so we'll talk in, in rugby analogies yeah where the wingers all the wingers care about is scoring tries mm. and it it's 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 wrong really yeah. but that's that's how people get rewarded mm. it's it's mm. yeah, it, it's it's a bit out of out of kilter it is um whether whether or not that will be um redressed um i don't know you're listening to Truth and Soul. Now it's your train set, and yeah. and you, you can you can do so. You got uh, Lisa and Jono, Jono yeah. in to do the work while you go to lunch. Is that? Is that yeah, it's pretty works? much, and yeah. do podcasts and things like that. Yeah, yeah and yeah. and um, get some more animals in your ads. And, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So uh, whilst you've been at, at Ogilvy, some of your uh, most because as as creative director, I think it's important. Some some creative directors, I think, seem to forget this. I'm not mentioning any names, but mm. what's important is that you get the work out, not that it has your name on it. Mm. When I first became a creative director, I actually asked Mike Cousins, who was my old creative director from London, very famous guy back in the day, 
um, what to do. And um, he said, hire good people and leave them alone, mm-hmm. which obviously ignored because I've got you in and that's yeah. <laughs> what you all the time. Uh, and he said, um, your name is on it as creative director. There's no need to have your name on it as writer, stroke, mm, mm. art director. No. And now, there's a few creative directors around town that are still kind of putting themselves down as credits, aren't they? Aren't they? Yeah. And um, Reg will now run through a list of those, which we will edit out. <laughs> Starting <laughs> edit with, out later. Yeah. Um, that's a good thing. Look. So, yeah, the um, how did you manage to get that really interesting work um, through the police? And you're going to tell me now it's a great client. But. Yeah, yeah, it was actually. I mean, you know, I reckon all the all the great work uh, that comes out of agencies tends to be um, the you know clients that want to do it you know it, it, it is the it is the great client that, that is the gatekeeper yeah that goes yep or yeah. or no and yeah. your your chance of doing um if if a client's work is not very good you have to, you have to blame the client don't blame yeah. the agency because um if, if the 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 client's not getting good work out of the agency go to another agency yeah yeah no usually it's usually it's um yeah the taste of the client and the and the how bold they're wanting to be and you know i think that's why the police work was interesting for the rest of the world because the police organizations tend to be quite conservative and and sort of straight yeah and the police um in new zealand you know they were already sort of dabbling in in social media but they didn't ha- they don't have huge budgets and they knew blow, blow on the pie was that yeah 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 they've had lots of little 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 things um that have been um like they had da- the sort of dancing cop and things like that so you know they they knew that if they could harness social media and create PRable um ideas then they were going to get a lot more bang for their buck so yeah yeah so they, they kind of were already um in that sort of zone and so you know putting those ideas in front of them um yeah they were they were great to work with bought, bought them did everything in their power to sort of make them as good as they could be so yeah it was um, and then really successful for them. So yeah, they've had sort of great uh, effectiveness out of the few campaigns we've done for them. Yeah. So so you had the kid going through the rubbish bins on K Road. Yeah. Which, so I think they had that based on an incident when we used to we used to go to Mercury Plaza every day for lunch. <laughs> but, yeah. That's another story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that was um, yeah, setting up sort of do you care enough to be a cop? Trying to get people to um, talk to people that were. You know, the few people that walk walk down the street and actually notice things in their communities that aren't quite right, um, and those are the type of people that we wanted to talk to, to become police officers, people that have empathy, and it wasn't shifting the conversation away from the physicality of the job and yeah. and it being around a masculine thing, so turning it into more an emotive thing, trying to attract more females and, and people that would normally go into maybe social work or teaching. They actually the skills that the that they wanted in, in the police. So yeah, that, I think that uh, that was pretty effective thing. It boosted um, applications by about thirty percent, and then um, we did that the next year. The most entertaining recruitment video, which was around um, kind of addressing the barriers that were holding people back from uh, applying. So the things that the roles that they could they didn't realise there were so many roles that you could do, and you know that the pay was actually quite good. And so we kind of created this um, police chase. Yeah. Uh, that kind of highlighted all everything, and yeah, I think that delivered a month's worth of inquiries in the first twenty-four hours after that launched. 
had about a 615% increase in diverse profiles and, yeah, sort of like smashed all of the things that they were wanting to do. Well, as, as you probably know, Regan, I'm all about effectiveness and that that's a fantastic example of something that is creative mm. being effective as well. And I guess it got it would have got a few um, YouTube views. Uh, yep, yeah, I think. I don't know how they, how they would get that. 12, 14, yeah, 15, 12, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a few people... In the South Island sort too, yeah, 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 yeah. Outside, outside of the the uh, Ogilvy, yeah, um, IPO, yeah. yeah. I think it's something like uh, you know ninety b- billion or something reach. I don't know how they work that thing out, but you know it's like, like it was a, a. They just lie. They have someone in a cupboard who thinks up. Yeah, thinks up these numbers. I don't know yeah. how they work it out, but the company spits it back and says it reached this this many people. But yeah, we um it was. Successful. Successful, yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's very interesting that the the public's view of the police because they they kind of have two views which are which are um, held at the same time but which are completely opposite. Um, I.e., you see the 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 policeman who pulls you over for going at sixty two in a fifty limit or something. People are you know why are you wasting your time pulling this over? There's, there's criminals out there. You know you're useless or there's the occasions of uh, police brutality which is everyone on their back but then if you're uh, walking down a street late at night and a dark and there's some threatening people who do you want to see yeah not you no. Sure. <laughs> um, no no that's right yeah you solemnly swear that the testimony you're about to give to be the truth so um Riga, what do you what do you what do you hope to achieve with stanley street oh Yet to yet to see where it's it's kind of an interesting time. And, and uh, am I allowed to ask how that how that came about? Because yeah. for the, for those people who don't know, um, Ogilvy New Zealand had existed for, mm, for thirty years. I don't yeah, know. Uh, a long time, and then it was basically management buyout. Yeah, it was so, yeah. So that's been happening over the last sort of ten months. So Greg has quite a big dairy farm up in um, Wellsford. Yeah. And he banks with the ASB, yeah. and the ASB don't do the business side of his banking, like the agency side of the banking. They only have his farm side. Yeah. And anyway, they came in with this um, this proposal. It was interesting because you know agencies love to do um, you know a, a 50, 50 slide pitch presentation. Yeah. These guys turned up with a A three bit of card printed on two sides, and um, basically said, "This is this funding concept from Singapore that." Uh, we're thinking of bringing into the country, and this is basically what you could do with it. Um, and they said, for example, if you use this funding concept, you'd be able to buy your agency back. And he was like, oh, really? I never thought I'd be able to do that. And he was like, yeah, you know, so this is how it could work. And so he was like... So bank fraud is... Yeah, basically, key, yeah. 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 And, um, yeah, so it's, um, that's basically the start of the process, and I think WPP first said no, and... Um, yeah, because there's there's two parties to this. Obviously, yeah. you you're. I mean, I, I, as I understand it, Greg's a shareholder. Or was, yeah. a, was a big shareholder of Ogilvy, but they they hold the majority of it. Yeah, they hold the majority. He says, "I want to buy the rest of it." And they go, "Well, it's not actually for sale." Yeah. End of conversation. Yeah, because they're also the most you know most profitable WPP agency in the market, and yeah, you know, most of the others are not a long list. Yeah, of- <laughs> no, they've all been kind of merging and things like that yeah. in, in New Zealand. So that you know it would have been a a, a tough argument to. Yeah, and get, you know, to to lose the most profitable agency in New Zealand 
that you know the most profitable WP yeah agency, WPP agency that's correct but yeah it was you know Greg wrote individually to every single board member and you know had his had had his angle as to why and and they eventually came around so every Ogilvy board member uh with w, WPP AU oh uh, yeah. yeah who are an interesting organisation I've yeah, heard yeah. So yeah, and, and um, you know everything was kind of primed. I think like they, as soon as the finally got signed, the uh, agency was sort of um, changed over within a week. Yeah, it, it seemed to be. I, I I understand with these things that there's generally there's a lot going on in the background before it finally happens. Yeah, but it's a pretty yeah. People thought it was a bit the people that the rest of the agency that didn't quite know what was going on. I think they. You mean the creative department? Yeah. <laughs> you know, all the reds getting painted out like a few weeks before. <laughs> yeah, all the what's like getting? The red from Ogilvy's oh, yeah. in- internally is getting all taken yeah. down and replaced and, yeah, and people would have been going, what's going on? Yeah, what, what's your new colour? Yeah, it's, uh, it's black and white. Black and white, oh, okay. Is that, is that you get your cheaper paint? Probably yeah, cheaper paint, yeah. yeah. And kind of like, uh, I suppose, yeah, it was a little nod to sort of, I suppose, Greg's um, business, you know, business approach. He's kind of a, you know, a black and white personality you know, he's like yeah yeah there's no sort of gray with greg you either know yeah. if you're on the money or not i uh, know uh, one last uh, question regan you're an art director yeah uh, who, who are generally thought of as being uh, intellectually inferior to the copywriters i think you yeah, no, yeah. yeah definitely so uh has that has that <laughs> been you know, have you found being um ecd and unable to write has that held you back at all or uh, yeah, well, you know, so not very good at art direction either. So, you know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's unusual that I've lasted this long. Um, Did you? Yeah. Uh, no, no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, at FCB, the, um, you know, James Mock was an art yeah. director and Tony Cluett was really? an art, art director. So really? it was really okay. the tables have turned against copywriters, it seems. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that's why uh, I'm, I'm sort of <laughs> shuffling, <laughs> shuffling quietly to, to one side in the business. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Regan, thank you so much for uh, coming in. That's and all right. Sharing, sharing some stuff. I'll, I'll, um, we'll edit out any of that, that business stuff if we're not allowed to say it. No, but, I think uh, it's all fine. But uh, good to catch up. Good Thanks, catch mate. Up. No worries. You've been listening to Truth and Soul, the New Zealand Advertising Podcast. Okay, a list of credits. Thank you very much um, to this week's guest, whoever he, she, or it might be. Uh, if you liked it, uh, drop us a line, uh, paul at truthandsoul.co.nz. Thank you very much to everyone at Franklin Road, uh, Jonathan Cole, uh, The Wastrel Shane, Vanessa and Gracie. Uh, Otis who did the logo and uh, Matt Stalker who's going to play us out thank you
Please forgive my trembling hands Crudely silhouetted by the flickering spires of candlelight While the wicked sleep sound The anxious toss and turn Thoughts come not as single spies But in battalions While the wicked sleep sound The anxious toss and Family tree is losing its leaves Please forgive my trembling hands Crudely silhouetted by the flickering spires of candlelight While the wicked sleep sound The anxious toss and turn Thoughts come not as single spies But in battalions while the wicked sleep sound I want to be anxious, toss and turn. 